when we talk about burden, it's time, it's money, it's just exhaustion. So to be able to have somebody stay in their home, you don't have to find childcare. You don't have to take time off of work. We'll do a visit on the weekend. We'll do a visit in the evening. Things that make it easier for people to participate. And the more people that can participate, the faster we can develop new therapies for the broader population. Welcome to the AWS Health Innovation Podcast, where you can learn from entrepreneurs and investors who are driving progress in healthcare and life science around the globe. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Alex Merwin, Head of Growth, Healthcare and Life Science Startups at AWS. Picture the world of clinical trials and the obstacles they present for patients. The commute, the time, the cost. Now, imagine a shift, a change that brings these cutting-edge therapies into the comfort of patients' homes. Darcy Foreman, the Chief Delivery Officer of Science37, joins us today to dive deep into how the clinical trial landscape is evolving. You'll discover how Darcy and her team are meticulously working to bridge logistical gaps in clinical trial delivery, all while keeping patient centricity at the heart of their operation. Here we go. Welcome to the AWS Health Innovation Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Darcy Foreman, who's the Chief Delivery Officer of Science37. So maybe, Darcy, just to kick off, tell me a little bit about Science37 and what y'all do. Absolutely. Alex, thanks for having me today. So at Science37, we're really trying to bring clinical trial access to anybody that wants to participate in trials. So currently and historically within clinical trials, if physicians become investigators and investigators are involved in clinical trials and they're pulling from their patient populations to enroll in studies. As the industry has evolved, additional investigators or those physicians have become involved, but there's still a huge amount of patients that are never provided an opportunity to participate in clinical trials. They might live far away from a key opinion leader or a specialized investigator or physician but they still have disease and they still have healthcare needs. And so Science37 is really trying to democratize clinical trials by bringing clinical trial opportunities to the patients. We have a network of our own investigators, our own mobile nurses that will travel to the patient instead of that patient having to assume the burden of traveling. It's all based on the use of technology. We couldn't do what we do if we didn't have a technology backbone that lets us execute the trials the way that we do. So it's really about providing opportunities for trials and clinical research as a care option for people that normally or historically have not received the opportunities. I just think it's amazing the work you're doing, and I can relate to it because my family has struggled to find trials that are a good fit for our needs. My nephew, he has autism. He's nine. He presents with ADHD symptoms. He's had a little bit of trouble at school, and he's been prescribed with Ritalin. But my sister, she's a bit concerned because there's some literature about long-term use of Ritalin and adverse effects. And because the symptoms are related to his ASD, they're not likely to go away. It's just part of who he is. And so they've tried to find clinical trials for new therapeutics, but it's been a real struggle to find ones that they can travel to, you know, given their family and obligations. It's just not practical. So tell me a bit more if you're focusing on any specific therapeutic areas and generally how your solution makes it easier for a particular patient population to access a trial that they otherwise wouldn't be able to. Yeah, we really are trying to continue to expand what therapeutic areas we can execute in, but we really want it to be agnostic to therapeutic areas. We have run studies in pediatrics. Your nephew is a 
perfect, you know, in addition to the burden that it has on the family and just even finding those opportunities. If you think about these patient populations that sometimes can be very uncomfortable leaving their home or be triggered by certain activities in foreign environments, mm. keeping them in a comfortable location mm. in their home and bringing a child to them, it's, it's prime. So again, pediatrics, and I hope we can find a trial opportunity or treatment options for your nephew, but we can do everything with chronic diseases. So diabetes, obesity, again, some very prevalent diseases can also benefit. It really should be about everybody having an opportunity and an ease of participation. So we've enrolled patients as young as infants, and we've also enrolled a 99-year-old with macular degeneration. And, you know, there's this bias that elderly populations may struggle with technology, but we just take our time and get them through it. And they were able to do all of their clinical trial visits on our technology platform with just a little added help. So it's really about everybody. When I say it's about everybody, it's really about everybody. So I would love to hear about an example or two, right? Because the thing is our healthcare system is too often exclusionary for the people who need it the most. So can you talk about a few trials that you've done where, you know, you've really taken steps to ensure that the trial is accessible to patients from underserved or otherwise diverse backgrounds? Absolutely. So again, we've done some really broad population-based studies, and we find that we're enrolling populations that match the census data. So we are drawing into those communities that, again, are underserved historically in clinical research. So we have large population studies where you know, 56% of the patients enrolled in the trial for a colorectal study were of black or brown skin colors and tones. And that's different than what you're going to get in a traditional model. So we're seeing a really high diversity pull just by the nature of providing access and giving that reach. But then we have some very specialized rare disease studies. One study that I'm incredibly proud of is um, oncology treatment study. It happened to be in the prime of COVID pandemic. These are immunocompromised breast cancer patients that needed their treatment every three weeks. They don't want to travel into a hospital setting to get an infusion. The sponsor was working on transitioning the dosing from an infusion to a injection. So it was a little bit easier to do in the home. And we were able to support those patients every three weeks with dosing in the home, but continuing to care and check for adverse events and keeping their care in line. And these patients became developed such a strong rapport with our nursing team that by the end of the trial and the end of all of these dosing, there was like actual relationships. And we had patients giving cupcakes to their nurses on the last visit, thanking them for being able to help them continue with their treatment without having to travel during a pandemic and keeping them safe. So we have examples like that. We did a postpartum depression study where, you know, new mothers who are struggling with postpartum depression are receiving treatment in the home with an infusion. It was a 60-hour infusion but it's keeping these patients, these mothers, these new mothers with their newborn child in their home while also providing them with the treatment and the care that they need to get through a difficult time for them. And so it's, again, it's clinical trials. It's all still in the experimental phase from a from investigational product and drug development perspective. 
but it's helping patients. And we, in, I'm very fortunate in my role to be able to hear these stories on a daily basis of patients that are truly thrilled to be able to have these opportunities that they wouldn't have if they had to go into a hospital setting or it just would be too much for them to handle. My heart is warmed and my stomach is growling <laughs> hearing about the cupcakes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was a little jealous. I saw a photo of them and I, they were they looked top notch for sure. Yeah. Well, the thing <laughs> is, these people were being welcomed into their homes, right? So, and I, and I love showing, not telling. So something I wanted yeah. to talk to you about was your Metasite. And then this is a really great example of that. So what is the Metasite? How does it work? How is it different? Yeah. Yeah, we compare it to a traditional site. So I'm going to start on the traditional site, which was a brick and mortar facility, like a doctor's office. There's an investigator, which is typically a physician, research nurses and clinical research coordinators. And patients go into those facilities, interact with all three of those individuals, potentially receive their drug, get lab tests, get assessments done. But they're driving. Those patients are driving in and out to those physicians' offices. The Science 37 Metasite is really a site without walls. So we do everything through our technology. Our technology is used by the patients. It's used by the investigators. It's used by the nurses and those clinical research coordinators. And again, it's the backbone of what we do. So as soon as a patient or a participant is interested in a clinical trial, they'll download the Science 37 application onto their phone. They don't have to get an additional device or carry multiple devices around. Um, so we make it very easy for them to participate. And then everything is walked through, you know, technology wise. We do workflow orchestration. The patient knows exactly what's going to happen. And all of the study visits that would normally happen in a brick and mortar facility, we typically do in the comfort of a patient's home. And so the nurse is really the only one that is co-located with that patient during the trial visit. Science 37, again, distinguishing factor, we have our own investigators with broad licensure, so we can cover mm -hmm. a patient in 50 states. Same with nursing, like there's nursing licensure rules. So for us to be able to do patient care in the home, the nurse has to have a license in the state that the patient resides. We have our own nursing team. They all have 50 state licensure as well. So when we say we can support a patient anywhere, we can, and we do it with our own core set of team members that know exactly how to run clinical trials and how to do it in this kind of decentralized virtual model way. Um, so we'll take any clinical trial, not any, but we take a lot of clinical trial protocols and we figure out how to deliver those trials in the home. Darcy, I want to take a step back and learn a little bit more about you. What did you do before Science 37? And what brought you to your current position? And I'm asking that now because what you just described is really hard, right? And it, you articulated it great, right? I mean, it's a virtual site without walls where the patient can engage through a single point of contact and they can stay in the comfort of their own home and they can participate in studies. Yeah. But you have to have the distribution on the clinical delivery side. You need to have the technology in order to be able to deliver a really streamlined experience. The technology needs to be modular enough to be compliant and to be auditable. So I'm sure that as Science 37 evolved, that didn't all happen at once, right? Things happen yes. in serial. So I'm hoping to hear about your background, what you've done before the company, and how that merged together with Science Got 37's it. evolution. Yeah, no. So I started as a bench scientist at Pfizer. I knew I wanted to do research. I was drawn to science um, from a young age. So I was very fortunate to find a lab position at Pfizer. I was fortunate to get into a clinical trial 
training program within Pfizer. So I was able to learn about clinical trials and transitioned into a project manager role with our study manager role with at Pfizer. So I was learning clinical trials. And from there, my career has just progressed. I moved into the clinical research organization space. So I moved into the service provider space and spent a lot of years as clinical project manager, director, senior director, and moved my way up through multiple organizations. The organization I was prior to Science 37 was my first exposure, if you will, to tr clinical trials being done in an alternative way. And so I was at Firma Clinical Research. It's a niche organization that's doing home health care support for clinical trials. So they were just doing the mobile nursing activities to support trials. And so that was where I really opened my eyes to there's a different way for trials to be run. When I knew it was time for me to move on, I was fortunate to meet the CEO of Science 37, David Coleman, and he and I just connected. And I talked about my passion for doing clinical research, but also this new way of doing it. And it just was somewhat just, I don't know, I pinch myself every single day because I'm able to bring classic clinical operations experience with this innovative spirit of doing something different and this industry needs something different. It's been stuck for a long time and patients and drug development are, are suffering as a result. I personally feel that way. So it is, I've been here for three and a half years. It's been a roller coaster of a ride. It is hard, but so fulfilling. And I've never been in a place or been in a position where I feel like this is absolutely everything that I wanted. And I know that sounds so corny, but I feel so passionate about what we're doing and what we're trying to do to change the industry. And we hit roadblocks and we're solving problems every single day and we're doing hard things, but we're succeeding. And, but that doesn't mean we're not stubbing our toe every once in a while either, but it's so fulfilling. And so that's my path and I'm just fortunate to be here. Yeah, well, go ahead and pinch yourself. It is true. And, and you're right. It is it, it is a great position to be in and a wonderful business as well. What is an example of a problem that was really tough that you think Science 37 has solved well? And what's an example of a problem in trial delivery that it's a big rock and you're not done with it yet? Yeah. So I think the multi-state licensure, the investigators learning how to provide assessments in the home. We have trained our nursing team. I think I keep coming back to our nursing team. Mm. They are highly skilled. They are trained on the Science 37 way, but we also train them to do physical exams that are guided with our investigator team. So our investigators and our nursing team are just lockstep together. The nurses have to be the eyes and ears and hands for the physicians that would normally be face-to-face -face with a patient. And so those two old groups, those two roles are incredibly together. And I think that's a distinguishing factor for what Science 37 can bring. We can do some complicated things. We can ensure that the patient is staying safe. Those nurses are trained in clinical research. They know exactly what to do when they're in the home how to keep the patient safe from a clinical research experience and a safety perspective and also just strong communication with our investigators. So it's it's nuanced from what maybe other organizations are doing in the nursing space to support trials. 
but it's really allowed us to do more trials. And we're continuing to evolve how we do assessments in the home. Right now, we're running a trial where we're doing in-home respiratory. So things where we're doing pulmonary function tests in the home. Mm-hmm. And those are typically things that you have to go in and have respiratory therapists guide you through. And it's not an easy assessment to do, but we've put so much training in place and we're so much oversight and using that technology to have real-time oversight. We feel confident that we are going to continue to be able to do more assessments and more complicated things in the home. We just need to work through some of those logistical things. On the flip side of your question, what are the things that we can't do or the big rocks that are hard to move? There are still assessments that are physician guided. We're never going to do a surgical procedure in the home. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be parts of clinical trials that we can't do. We're still solving for complex imaging in a community-based setting, right? Some of those very complex procedures that pharma companies and the FDA want to be able to assess safety and efficacy of drugs, we're really pushing to try to get them into community-based settings because that has to come along with us in order for us to get those patients in trials without with the less burden. I mean, those patients could travel exorbitant amounts of time to get into a clinical trial, uh, but it's problematic for them. So Continuing to evolve what we can do in a community-based setting is critical. Mm. What does patient centricity mean to you and why does it matter? Yeah, I'm like a broken record. It's really about making it easier for them. If you're a patient, you have diseases, comorbidity, potentially things that inhibit you from just your day-to-day life. And now we're asking them to go into physician's office, travel try to find parking, get that parking validated, come in, figure out where they're going to eat their meal because they're in a doctor's office for eight hours. It's costing them a ton of money to be able to participate in clinical trials. Yes, there's some reimbursement, there's some things, but it is, when we talk about burden, it's time, it's money, it's just exhaustion. So to be able to have somebody stay in their home, you don't have to find childcare. You don't have to take time off of work. We'll do a visit on the weekend. We'll do a visit in the evening. Things that make it easier for people to participate. And the more people that can participate, the faster we can develop new therapies for the broader population. So it's, it's patient centricity is about helping those patients participate in trials, but inevitably that gets back to the sponsor companies and overall healthcare. Mm-hmm. Because we're going to develop therapies for drugs in a faster way and for you know, better therapeutics options and do it in an accelerated fashion so that we can help the overall population. Mm. Tell me about how you partner with companies besides your customers. So you mentioned earlier that imaging is a challenge area and I can imagine you could work with partners to help with more distribution there. Are there wearables manufacturers? Are there different devices? How do you work with partners and who do you work with today? And who would you like to work with if they're listening right now? Yeah. So all the wearables, right? Again, it comes down to the pharma companies and the biotechs when they're developing their protocol. They are inevitably Mm -hmm. owning how they're going to measure the success of their therapeutic. But that continued, all of those wearable companies, anything that we can do to measure something in a remote fashion. So all of those device companies we can do. Fitbits, we've had those in our studies for a long time. Anything that we can get measured, we'll just integrate it right into our technology platform so that it's a one-stop shop from a data harmonization perspective. That part we're great with. 
We have glucose monitors and all sorts of different things that we've used in the past. We work with other companies for drug distribution. Science 37 does not have pharmacy license insurance, so we're not distributing the investigational products across the world. How do we get those investigational products to the patients at the exact same time that our nurse might be showing up? Those are the (laughs) logistical things. Like, How do we predict the shipping with the nurse arrival so that everything is happening lockstep? Those sort of things. We're working with companies. We're working with Catalyst. We can work with Thermo Fisher. We've worked with, those are our two main vendors that we use in that space. That's an area that the industry needs to continue to evolve. And then all of the local imaging companies and anything from a data perspective that can ease the collection of data and bring it all into one centralized place where we can work with data interoperability Mm. is absolutely what we need to really drive this model forward. Can you tell us a little bit about how you approach patient recruitment? So we do what we call an omni-channel approach. So really it starts again with what are we looking for? If it's a rare disease, we're not going to advertise for it because that's a lot of money and we're looking for the rare patient population. So for those studies, we're working with physicians. So we have a huge network, about 35,000 physicians that have patient populations, but maybe don't have the ability or the cost infrastructure to take on the burden of running clinical trials themselves, but they're looking for those patients to have opportunities. So we call that our global healthcare provider network. And it's a place where we're continuing to expand and we can go into those populations. These are specialized physicians with their patients. And we can say, hey, you keep your patient and keep your ongoing care with them and we'll do the clinical trial activities for you so that you don't have to hire a CRC. You don't have to hire a research nurse within your facility, but your patients are still getting an opportunity to participate. So those, uh, that provider network is a huge place of recruitment for us. But we can work with pharmacies, we can work with lab partners, advocacy groups. We really are looking at where do those patients present in the world and then how do we best get them into the Science 37 network? We have large patient diagnostic type studies and those are ripe for digital recruitment. And so we can also recruit on Facebook and Instagram or even Taboola or some of those ads. So we go about it in in a multitude of ways for every study, depending on where those patients actually are in the world. Yep. What's your ambition for the next few years? What goals do you have for your team? We're continuing to just be able to drive more protocols forward, right? So I talk about clinical assessments. We're trying to figure out how we can say yes to more trials that are being presented to us, because unfortunately, there's still some that sponsors bring to us that we just can't, we can't figure out how to do it. Um, I pride ourselves in not taking on something that we can't do and getting out Mm. too far in front of our skis, but we have to figure this out. And so that's a big push for my team right now is how do we solve for more of those community-based perspectives? Patient recruitment and identification, again, the patients are out there, but they have to have knowledge of the clinical trials. They have to then be qualified for the clinical trials and be willing to participate. So patient recruitment is always a huge place for us where, you know, identifying those patient populations and getting them access and and bringing them into Science 37 ecosystem is a huge initiative for us. And then I don't, 
I have the tech side of the org. I'm really the operational side and that nurse investigator, clinical research coordinator team is what I focus on, but my team can't do what they do without the technology. So our chief technology officer and I talk on a daily basis about the things that we need to do to be able to keep technology and the operations seamlessly moving forward. So it's not a boring place to be on a day-to-day basis. It's times 37. There's a million balls we're juggling. So given the size of the challenges, fixing this is going to be a team sport. What advice would you give to other entrepreneurs that are looking to innovate in the clinical trial space? It is absolutely a team sport. And I'm going to be calling out my clients right now, my pharmaceutical and the biotech world, but they really hold the keys to the kingdom on this. And they're sometimes scared to move forward. And there's a lot of amazing, great things in there that can help the industry as a whole. For the innovators out there, it is about networking, getting on. Sometimes you got to ride the tailcoat of somebody else. So contact Science 37 and see if we can get together a stronger solution for a pharma company because going in and alone doesn't always work because you're not going to get in the room. You need to be able to show a shared objective of how you can change the space and how you're going to get an ROI off of what you're trying to do. And pharma companies, again, we're still dealing with it. We're, I don't have the golden ticket on how to get this through. It's a grind sometimes of just trying to get your proof points to say, this is a viable way to do something. And this is still safe. And this is going to accelerate. And this is how we're going to do it. It's what I do every single day is trying to talk through how we do it and why it matters. And so for every innovator in the space, they have to have those same conversations. Whenever you can partner with a combined entity to show a shared objective and a shared ROI, I think that's going to help accelerate it. But we need pharma to become a little bit more cowboys. They need to find their way to yes a little bit faster because the patients need it. (laughs) The patients need it. Well, giddy up. Um, and yeah, Darcy Foreman, Chief Delivery Officer of Science 37. Really fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Alex. It was great to be here. I appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us today for the AWS Health Innovation Podcast. If you want to get in touch with AWS, please check out our show notes where you can find a link. The best way to support the podcast is to share it with your colleagues and friends. We also appreciate your reviews on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have ideas on how we can improve the show, please let us know. Our feedback survey is in the show notes. See you next week.